All right, our timer's up. Grab your coffee, grab your seats, grab your Bible. And we're going to launch into a really interesting topic. I hope everybody this week was like, what is this topic about? And um, I've done a series similar to this once before, and I love, um, love researching this, and I love talking with people about it, and it, it will build interesting conversations. Hopefully it will lead you into interesting conversations in the days and weeks to come. There's a lot of different buzzwords that float around our culture. Uh, and some of them, as Christians, when we hear them, we bristle. And maybe we don't, but maybe, maybe some of us do. Karma is one of those. You hear it and you're like, oh, did he just say that word in church? Can you say that word in church, right? It is a, it is a loan word. And if you're familiar with how languages work, um, languages usually have their own set of words, and then they adopt and integrate words from other languages. Uh, karma is a loan word. I initially thought... It was from one place, but I did some research. It's not just Indian, uh, but, it, but it is mostly from Indian culture, but it comes out of the world religions of Hindu, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism, and Taoism. I didn't know that. I thought it was just reserved to one little, you know, tiny category. Um, what I found was surprising, but we're going to get to that in a minute. So let's talk about our term for the day, uh, because I want us to understand what we're talking about as we uncover lies our culture tells us. I just have a minute, real quick. Does everybody, everybody's heard that word before? Okay, so, so I just want to make sure that they're like, well, we don't know that word. I'm sure you have. Karma. Uh, there's some different definitions. The first one uh, should be, there it is, the sum of a person's actions. This is kind of the religious, when people who are religiously affiliated with a, a, a background that follows the belief in karma, it would be this. The sum of a person's actions in this and previous states of existence viewed as deciding their fate in future existences. Now, we're going to talk about reincarnation versus uh, resurrection next week. So put a pin in that existences part, because we're going to talk about that later. There is a simplified understanding, the belief that all of your actions have equal repercussions. If you do something, something will happen. Uh, we, as culturally, have adopted this word, and it and it's this, what goes around comes around. You ever heard that? Some, you, and, and, and just, you may not even want to admit to it, but when you see something bad happen to somebody who's done something bad, how often do you say, oh, well, karma? You might, some of you are going to admit to it, okay. Some of you are like, yeah, I think that, but I don't say it. And some of you are like, that's terrible, I'm a Christian, right? So how does this concept play out in our culture? It seems like we have this belief that what you do somehow earns a result or a consequence. The result then would be dependent on you. If you do something good, something good happens. If you do something bad, something bad happens. This principle and the cultural response we have to it, I'm just going to call it the karma principle, they seem to be true. I mean, if we're going to be honest and we look at it, it seems like often people who do something wrong, something bad happens. And people that do something good, something good happens. But we're going to unpack that in a moment as we get through this. In the last few weeks, uh, and in, actually in the last couple of years, I love to talk with people about this because it's interesting how, although as Christians we say we don't believe in certain things, often we act as if we do. Interesting. There seems to be, in our culture, this idea of what goes around comes around. You ever heard that phrase? 
What goes around comes around. It's been part of our English language for so long because it's both a law of nature and it's part of our human nature. In fact, we know it as the law of cause and effect. Uh, it's true for a lot of things. It's true for gravity, right? You know, gravity, if you drop something, it falls because gravity, right? Law of cause and effect. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that plays out. But very simply stated, the principle of karma and the natural law effect say the same thing. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad, <laughs> right? If you do something good, something good happens. If you do something bad, something uh, bad will happen to you. Now, here's the interesting thing, and I didn't ask. I gave Faith and Daniel an assignment last week. Did you guys find it? You didn't. Okay, I gave them. An, I didn't want to tell everybody because I didn't want everybody to go home because I think, were you guys honestly a little confused at first, weren't you? It's like, why are we talking about karma in church? Because what I told them is there's an example of karma in the Bible, and they were like, no, that can't be so. Why would the Bible talk about karma? And I said, well, it talks about idol worship. It talks about all kinds of negative stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of things that the Bible discusses and points out. There is actually a story of karma in Acts. I even told them the book, and they couldn't find it. I'm not, I'm not picking on you guys. Daniel didn't look. Daniel's like, I didn't find it because I forgot all about it. I don't do homework. Nice. In chapter 27, Paul was sailing for Rome. They're shipwrecked. And in chapter 28, starting in verse 1, we pick up. Listen to this story. It says, after we were brought safely through, we then learned the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his head, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook the creature off into the fire, suffered no harm. They were there waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Isn't that an interesting story? That story is what we talk about when we say karma. Something bad happens to somebody, we think, oh, well, something bad. They, they must have done something bad. Something good happens to somebody, maybe something good is in their past. Uh, we can call it karma, we can call it the law of cause and effect, but this is a, an idea that plays out uh, and, and I want you to be honest with yourself and think, do I think this way? As we go through this, this, these scriptures and these teachings today, really think on this. Do I think this way? Okay, the islanders living on Malta at that time were likely Phoenicians, Canaanites, uh, and they had a very well-developed pantheon of gods. You know that word pantheon means a, a mass, a group. Uh, uh, a board of gods, right? So they had a god of the sun, god of the moon, god of the sky, god of the sea, night, day, kind of like the Egyptians. We understand they had a, a pantheon of gods as well. And apparently they had a pretty well-developed idea of this law of what he called in Scripture justice, karma, or law and effect. Now, you don't see the word karma in the Bible. He said, what did it say? We, we read it just a moment ago. Justice has not allowed him to live. In my Bible, it's interesting, justice is capitalized as if it were a entity, a thing. It's kind of personified. The snake bit Paul, and they assumed, 
immediately that because Paul was bitten by the snake, Paul must have done something wrong. Have you ever done anything and then something happened to you and you wondered, did that happen because of that thing I did? Just be honest. It's true. Let's keep, let's keep unpacking that. There must have been some prior cause. In this case, they determined he must be a murderer because the snake bit him and now he's going to die. He shook the snake off into the, into the fire. He didn't die. And now they, they naturally assumed, for them it was a natural jump, if he didn't die, he must be a god. <laughs> right? We'll add him to the pantheon. We have day, we have night, we have stars, we have moon, we have sea, uh, we have Paul, the guy that got bit by the snake from the fire and didn't die. It, for them, it was just natural. It was either justice prevailing against a murderer or he must be a god. It's something that man has struggled with as long as we have been man, as long as men and women and children have been alive. We've struggled over this. Think about this principle this way. If I have a watermelon seed, I go and I plant it in my garden. In, in Montana, you'd get nothing. If you did it in Arkansas, you'd get big, beautiful watermelons. You get a plant, you get, you, get, you, get, you get flowers, you get watermelons, you eat the watermelon, you get the seeds, you plant them again. It's a cause and effect thing. You plant a watermelon seed, you get watermelons, right? If I go to the pound and I get a dog, it's a nice, it's a cute little dog. I'm mean to it. I don't clean it. I don't feed it well. I beat it. What's going to happen to that dog? It's going to turn mean. It, depending on the breed of the dog, it could potentially turn deadly, right? It could, it could kill me. It could kill somebody else. It's a law of cause and effect. What you do does have, I mean, so there's the, there is this natural law, right, of cause and effect. When you do something or you, you plant a seed, you're going to get what you expect from it. But how about with human nature and interactions? Isn't it interesting? Uh, I, I talk to people and and. Uh, it's, so, it's so funny, you watch what's going on around you as I prepared for this, and I would see instances of this play out. Somebody would do something good, and then I would see something good happen to them. Somebody would do something bad, you see something bad happen to them. So this is a thing. Whatever it is that's at play, this seems to be a principle. When people are nice and kind and they go out of their way to the others, seems, things seem to work out for them. It's weird in human nature. Again, there's this law of, car, of cause and effect. The principle of karma, the principle of justice are synonymous in this sense. We say things like this, justice has been served. You ever heard that? <laughs> we like that. We like justice. We like things to happen where if, if somebody does something wrong, then they're judged and justice is served. They go to jail or they're punished or whatever. We, we, we like that sense of that idea. That's kind of at the heart of karma as well. When you deserve what you get, you're reaping what you sow. Now, reaping what you sow, doesn't that sound like a spiritual principle? Let's read that out of Galatians 6. If you'll turn over there with me. Hold on with me here. I can see some faces are like, what? We're going to get there. Galatians 6, 7 through 10, it says this. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Therefore, he says, since then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those 
who are in the household of faith. So there seems to be this principle in Scripture that what we do in life, whether we sow to righteous or unrighteous, there'll be righteous or unrighteous results. Would you agree with that? Because that, that, that's what the Scripture says. There seems to be this principle. So what does, how, how do we bring this all together and make understanding out of it? The, the law of cause and effect, the law of karma, reflect imperfectly a spiritual truth that is very true. And here's what it is. It's the law of sin and death. Out of Ephesians 2, turn with me and read about this. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by children nature of wrath like the rest of mankind. But listen what he says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There seems to be a principle in Scripture that's somehow synonymous with this, this cause and effect. What we reap, we will sow. Ephesians 2 leads us into Romans 8. If you'll turn over to Romans 8 with me, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 and see how the law of sin and death plays out here. It says in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The law of sin and death essentially says this. All have sinned. Everybody, all people, all history, at all time, have and will. God absolutely has no tolerance for sin. In fact, he has wrath towards sin that must be satisfied. Because we are sinful people, and because God cannot tolerate sin, sin and God must be separated. Therefore, we die in a sinful state, there's only one destination, and that is a non-God place we call hell. That's what the law of sin and death says. If we die separated from God because of the wages of sin, we earn death. In fact, that's what it says, right, in the Bible. The wages of sin is death. What we earn, the payment for sin is death. Death here refers to two things. First, the ultimate physical death of our body. The time is ticking for all of us. We all have a a window of time that we know we're alive. Our days are numbered. There's also an eventual spiritual death, which is an eternal separation from God. The law of sin and death is the ultimate cause and effect because it can really be summed up by one verse. It's out of Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the good news of today's message. 
This is it. Because of Christ, we are not subject to the law or the principle that we're talking about. The law of sin and death, we are not subject to. The law of cause and effect, we are not subject to. This idea of justice that we read about in Acts, we're not subject to. The, the cultural idea and even the religious concept of karma, we're not subject to. They, they, they have no power over us because mercy triumphs over justice. And we're going to talk about what mercy is in a minute. Mercy triumphs over justice. And grace wins over karma. Justice is God's, is God's necessary satisfaction against sin. That's what justice is. Justice in the Bible says sin earns death. The wrath of God is on sin. That's what justice says, that that must be served, that must be paid for, it must be fulfilled. The wages of sin and death is death. Those who sin, who are found guilty, suffer death. That is both physically at the end of our lives and spiritually at the end of our lives in a place called hell. There's no way around that. That is a a, a law of sin and death that we cannot get around. But because of God's great mercy, we don't get what we deserve. Now you're going to see all this come together. We don't get what we deserve. Mercy, in fact, that's the definition. Not getting what we do deserve. What does the law of sin and death say? What does the law of cause and effect say? What does karma say? You get what you deserve. You reap what you sow. You sin, you die. What does mercy say? You don't get what you deserve. You get something else. Justice is God's necessary satisfaction against sin, but mercy is finding out that that satisfaction has rested somewhere else. Do you know where it rested? Anyone? On Christ. When Christ went to the cross, the necessary satisfaction for the wage of sin, which is death, rested on Christ, and he died. He carried my sin, your sin, the sin of all men, all women, all children of all time to the cross. And he died. And he carried it to the grave. And he rose again. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. James 2, 12 and 13. Let's turn over there real quick. I'm just going to read it out of here real quick so we we can keep, keep our time here. It says, James 2, 12 and 13. It says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. That is the law of the spirit of life. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And then listen to this. Mercy triumphs over justice, over judgment. I love that. This is good news. We should be saying amen. Justice is getting what you deserve. When you commit a crime and you're arrested and you go to jail and you go before the judge and the judge says guilty or the jury says guilty, here's your punishment, that's justice. You got what you deserve. Mercy is you commit a crime, you're arrested, you go to jail, you go before the judge and the jury and you're found innocent because somebody else pays the penalty for you. Amen? This is good news. This is exciting news. This is the best news. Mercy triumphs over justice. We're not subject to these 
these worldly, these earthly laws, these earthly principles, the things that, that cloud our mind and make us wonder, did I deserve this? Did I, did I earn this result? Did, did this happen over here in my life because something happened over here? I don't have to worry about those things. I don't have to fear about those things because Scripture illuminates the fact that, that I'm not subject to those. I'm not subject to those. Grace wins over karma. Mercy triumphs over justice. Let's talk about grace for a minute. Grace is getting, again, what we do not deserve. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We deserve death as a result of sin, but in God's great love, he reached out to us in mercy and he exhibited grace to us, saving us when we didn't deserve it because the wages of sin are death. But in his grace and in his mercy, he reached out to us through Christ. In Romans 8, we read just a moment ago, verses 1 and 2. This is talking about those who are in Christ. It says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means if you are a follower of Christ, if you're a Christ follower, if you've come to that point in your life where you have committed your life to Christ, you've asked him to save you, you've asked him to forgive your sins, you've come before him transparently and honestly and said, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I have failed you. I deserve sin and death. Becca's not here today. She's, she's home. She was up like, I don't know what, 2 or 3 a.m. last night. So she's sleeping. That's all aside. But we used to talk at home and something would happen and somebody would say, that's not fair. And she'd say, well, that, you know, you deserve hell and de- death and hell. That's, that's, that's what's not fair, right? And you're like, well, you know, you have a good point. We all deserve that. That's what we've earned. That's what the Bible says we've earned. There, but, but, but listen to what it says. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, why? For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. If you have followed Christ as Lord and Savior, if He has placed His Spirit in your heart, marked you with a seal, Christ now is in you, leading you, guiding you, conforming you to His image. You are said in Scripture, Paul loves this term, he uses in Christ. So he's, a, he's addressing this Scripture to those who are in Christ. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of, the, of sin and death. That's another amen moment, by the way. It is. Otherwise, what's the point? Karma says what goes around comes around. Uh, the, the law of sin and death says the wages of sin is death. Uh, the, the law of cause and effect says um, if, if you do something, you're going to get a certain response or you're going to get a certain outcome. But the law of the spirit of life says to all that stuff, nonsense. <laughs> you get something else. Not what you deserved, but instead you get mercy. Instead you get grace. Instead you get eternal life instead of eternal separation. Instead you receive love. You receive a connection with a, what's why we picked that song today, Good Father. You experience victory in Jesus. I, they picked the songs out on purpose today because I wanted us, as we sang and as we prayed and as we read Scripture, the Scripture that I read and Zoila read, they, they connect us with a father who had good plans and good intentions for us, that he had a, a plan in mind, and we talked about this at Palm Sunday, and we talked about at Easter, that at just the right time, Christ sacrificed his life for you and me so that we would no longer be subject to these 
artificial laws. We get eternal life. Ephesians 2 sums this up. 2, 1 through 5. It it sums it up beautifully, so read this with me. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the courses of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In other words, the wrath of God was upon us because of sin. But God, verse 4, that's a great, I mean, but God. I've heard pastors preach a whole sermon on that, two words. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Man. Again, that's an amen moment. You know, amen just means I I, I agree, and isn't that good news, and awesome, and wonderful, and we should be excited about this. This is good news. We've been made alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. I'm going to read a quote. Uh, it's, an un, it's, it's unattributed. I, I read it. I was doing some research and reading about stuff on the Internet. Some um, religion blogger wrote this. Not a believer. Here's what he says. Here, then, is the good news about grace and karma. It's funny to me because this guy's not a believer. He says, karma may win the day, but grace wins in the end. The cycle of error payback and consequence may have us trapped for now, but in the end, grace will set us free. Not a believer. I don't know what grace he's talking about. Grace is wily, he says, it's not above using karma without karma's knowledge to reach us in unexpected moments. Come what may, there's always more grace. There is always more grace. Let that sink in for a minute. What's going on in your life today that you need more grace in? There is always more grace. I love that. There's always more grace. I'm not sure what grace, again, they're talking about, but it's as if, you know, even a, even a stopped clock is, is right twice a day. <laughs> it's true. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day. And in Romans, we know that it says there's enough evidence of God in the physical world in the in the world that we see to give evidence of God so even sometimes a stopped clock will be right but Galatians it's as it's almost as if they read this verse and and maybe they had Galatians 3 to uh 22 through 26 it says this but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before, ca- before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. The law was designed to draw us to God, but it couldn't make us right before God because we couldn't fulfill 
the letter of the law. Grace trumps the law of sin and death. Grace trumps the natural law of cause and effect. Grace trumps justice. Grace, uh, grace trumps karma. Because the law, by any name, under any other form, in any other religion, can never make you right with God. All of those laws are incomplete. All of those principles fall flat. They can bring you up to a point to God, but they can't save you. There's no saving power in the law. Hebrews 10.1 says this, For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, listen, this isn't my idea, the law, it can never, by the same sacrifices continually offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near to God. Only one thing can make us perfect before God. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only I mean, he even said that. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the only way. It's the only way to come to the Father. The law can never bring grace. The law can never be applied with mercy. <laughs> the law will always demand justice. It will always demand payback. It will always demand retribution. The law, that's what the law does. The law draws us to God, but it leaves us standing just short of knowing him. A true relationship with God is only found through the application of grace and mercy. That's the only way that we can come to the Father is through His grace and through His mercy. In closing, I want to point out one more thing that's missing in these ideas that, that percolate in the world religions of our world and within our culture and, and even within our mind. It's coupled with grace and mercy again and again in Scripture. There's this this, this other principle that I want to touch on is something that we need so desperately, and it's something that people need so desperately, and it's something that none of these principles will bring. Read in 2 John chapter 1, verse 3. It says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. There's this triplet, grace, mercy, and peace. The law doesn't bring peace, does it? Karma doesn't bring peace. Cause and effect doesn't bring peace. Justice doesn't bring peace. There's no peace with any of these things. The natural law and the law of sin and death does not bring us peace. Grace, mercy, and peace are unnatural things in this world. That's why these principles struggle to try to make sense of things that can't be made sense of in a, in a physical world because they're spiritual principles. And only through the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit can we experience grace and mercy and peace. You, without them, will always wonder, have I done enough? Have I done enough to be right with God? Did that thing that happened, happened because I did something else. There's no peace in the religions of the world. But Jesus brings peace in His grace and in His mercy. What I'm hoping is that this series of three, and we'll see, I, I have another series I'm working on after that. I think it's going to be good. It's about things Christians say. That, that may or may not actually be true. It'll be an interesting series. 
things Christians say. But as we go through these, I want us to, to, to be honest with ourselves. Because this idea of something that I did cause something else to happen has no place. Unless it's a, you know, cause and effect thing like gravity. <laughs> or I broke a law and now I have to pay for it. But this ethereal thinking, did I do something wrong last week and today I'm in trouble for it? Or that, that, that kind of stuff, it, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't real. It's not God. God has grace for you. He has mercy for you. And he has peace for you. And I think that's the, that's the best part. Is that we can have peace. We can come to the Father and he will accept us according to the scripture, and he will wash us, and he will cleanse us, and he will place the spirit of God in us, and Jesus will take up residence in the temple, and we'll be marked with the Holy Spirit, and we'll be his, and I can have peace, because I don't have to worry about the things that people who aren't in Christ have to worry about. The world wants justice, it wants payback, it wants cause and effect, it wants revenge. Just go for a drive in Chicago, and you'll know. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a honk for a honk. I mean, it's rough out there. We spent like, I don't know, four or five hours on the road yesterday. It was actually a pretty decent day. Maybe because it was the snow, everybody was careful. But some days, it's, it's bad. You've been there. God wants us to receive His grace, His mercy, and His peace. And He wants you and I to be both vessels of that, and He wants us to, to bring it to other people who don't have it. People who don't have peace. People who haven't experienced grace. The world is struggling to make sense of it all. Just like those people on that island were struggling to make sense of why a snake bit Paul. Do you know why I think the snake bit Paul? What do you guys think? He lit a pile of wood on fire that the snake was living in. So it came out and bit him. That's the natural law of cause and effect, right? In the, in the natural animal kingdom. When you do something to an animal, it's either going to run or it's going to fight. We know that principle, fight or flight. Well, the snake decided to fight. It wasn't because Paul was a god, and it wasn't because Paul was a murderer. It was just because Paul lit a fire. Sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes stuff just happens because the world's broken, because somebody else sinned, because somebody else made a bad choice. Sometimes stuff happens just because we made a bad choice. But we're subject to grace and mercy and peace if we are in Christ. The world's struggling to make sense of it, but God's already made sense of it. If we would just only listen. Hebrews 4, in closing, says this, since then, it's uh, Hebrews 4, verses uh, 14 through 16. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect, who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then draw, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. Draw close to the throne of God. Draw close to the Father. 
Do you need to find mercy and grace and peace for the confusion that's swirling around in your life and in your world? Draw close to the Father who is full of grace and who is full of mercy and who will give us peace. And then we don't have to worry about stuff. But sometimes stuff just happens. Trust the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and allow, allow the Father in. If you're here today and you've never made that, you've never asked, you've never come before the Father and said, Father, forgive me of my sin. You can do that right where you're sitting, right? In your in your own voice, out loud. You can do it quietly in prayer and just say, Father, forgive me. We've, we've read Scripture today. We know what the law of sin and death is, that because of sin, there must be a payment. If we don't accept the payment that Christ has made on our behalf, then we will have to make that payment. But Christ has already paid it for you. I'll say, Father, I want to accept that payment Christ already made on my behalf. Please save me. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, fill me with your son and your spirit. Mark me as yours. And you know what? Then when the father looks down and he says, okay, justice must be served because the law of sin and death doesn't go away. He looks down and he says, okay, Sean, law of sin and death, Jesus says, he's mine. He's subject to the law of the spirit and of life. And the father says, all right, paid in full. And then he goes to the next <laughs> and the next. That's where, it, that's where I want to be. And that's what the Father wants for every person. So I hope you'll take what we talked about today. I hope you'll take some of this. Uh, I'm going to be interested to hear in the days to come conversations that you've had with folks. Um, I don't remember the term. Becca and I talk about this a lot. But it's true in life Something that you didn't know and then you know it, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Anybody experience that? Yeah, it happens all the time. It happened the other day. I can't remember what it was about, but it was something specific. And I, I didn't know anything about it. Then I learned about it, and it's everywhere. I think you're going to find this week that because we've talked about this, you're going to have opportunities for conversation about it this week. You're going to hear it in the restaurant. You're going to hear it on the street. You might even hear it in home. You might even hear it in your head when you see something happen and you go, what do I call that now? <laughs> I used to say, oh, man, you got what you deserved. But now it will cause you to think. And I pray that it will give you opportunities for conversation. Now, next week we're going to talk about um, something that's connected with this resurrection versus uh, reincarnation, and then we got one more after that. And then after that series, we'll launch into questions that are, and things that Christians say that may or may not be true. Those, that's going to be a good one. But before we do that, let's pray. We're going to close in a song in a moment. Let's, um, let's continue to pray. And we prayed before at the beginning of the service for those who, are, um, those who are sick, those who have been in the hospital and are in the hospital. And Lord, we're going to continue to pray for those things today, Heavenly Father, as we lift those up to you who have been sick and are sick. Uh, Lord, we ask for healing, we ask for comfort, we ask for peace. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much that we talked about mercy, grace, and peace today and that uh, these are unnatural things in this world that you have granted to the lives of your believers. Uh, Lord, that we can experience 
your mercy, um, that we get what we don't deserve instead of what we do. Lord, that we can experience grace. Oh, Lord, that we can experience peace. And I love your scripture that says that you will provide for us peace that passes all understanding and that you will guard our hearts. And so, Lord, we ask for those who are questioning, those who are sick, those who are suffering, that you'll guard their hearts and guard their minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray for their healing. Lord, we pray for this church. We pray for our community, as we often do, Lord, for the 24,000 in Elmwood Park, that you continue to draw them to yourself. Lord, that you will make this church and the individuals in this church instruments uh, of yours to be used in this community. Lord, I pray that we'll have conversations this week. We'll have opportunities to talk about grace and mercy, the law of sin and death versus the law of the Spirit and life. And Lord, that you will give us opportunities uh, to talk with people and to share our faith and to share, most importantly, about who your Son is with them. Uh, Lord, many things we want to pray about as a church. We pray for our offering, Lord, that you'll make us good stewards as we give, that we will use it for right reasons and right purposes, Lord, to build your kingdom in Elmwood Park to carry the gospel, not just in Elmwood Park, but in Chicago as we help sponsor two churches. And Lord, as we talk about churches in the United States and around the world, I pray that you'll make us good stewards in helping. Um, Lord, as we have received uh, from churches uh, that are helping us to grow, Lord, we thank you for those things. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done today, um, most of all for grace and for mercy and for peace. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and we pray in his name.